good morning good afternoon or good evening depending on what time you're listening to this my name is Tepo H Maloa and welcome to yet another episode of the frozen thoughts diary life a beautiful miracle part 3 god's masterpiece mind body and spirit that's what i would like to speak to you about today so during the last two episodes of the frozen thoughts diary i've went in depth exploring why i believe that life is the greatest miracle of all i've took you on a journey from the moment of of conception to the moment of fertilization and from the moment of fertilization to throughout the nine months until birth and today I would like to spend more time elaborating and exploring on the life that is brought to earth and why I believe that it is one of the greatest miracle of all over the last two episodes I've elaborated much facts on why life is a miracle basing it on the fact that the chance of being born is still born were so great and yet the probabilities of it happening were so slim i mentioned that the chances of being born at all as scientists say is one in over 400 trillion that when a man releases his semen inside a woman he releases more than 400 million sperms and only you make it. And it has been this logic that I have been building up on to try and explore the miracle of life. There is nothing greater than life itself. Everything about you was determined at conception, proving that God knew you. God knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. I've explored that and explain that at the moment that the sperm fertilizes an egg a new dna is formed and if we're to retrieve that dna and study it through dna sequencing we would know everything just about everything we need to know about you how tall you'd get what your skin tone would be what your eye color would be how what's your how what's your weight gonna be like and so many other facts proving that God knew you before you were even born. I mentioned that there's a heartbeat at only 22 days, that your eyes can see in only three weeks, that if we were to unwrap all the DNA in your body, it would stretch to the moon six times, 6,000 times and back. The, your entire DNA sequence the entire DNA sequence in your body would fill over 200, 1,000 page books. The base pairs in your DNA can fill more than 3 gig hard drive. That's how complex you are. That's how much of a miracle you are. They say that at 60, at 60 words per minute, 8 hours a day, and typing around for around 50 years, we still wouldn't be able to type out the entire DNA in our body. 
they say that two grams of DNA can hold all of the digital data in the world. Just two grams of your DNA. So now think about that and think of the fact that there are 300 trillion cells that make up your body. And each one of those cells has got your DNA in it. Now what does that say about how important you are to God? What does that say about what God has planted within you? There's something so precious within you to God than you've ever known. And it is for this reason that I decided to record this series on life, a beautiful miracle. Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness. That's what the Bible says in the book of Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness. Now, I've, this is a scripture almost everybody knows. It's a scripture that we are taught about even in primary school. But what does it really mean? to be made in the image of God? What does it even entail? What is the image of God? And how could it be that I, a mere feeble human being, am made in the image of God? For God who created the heavens and the earth, the moons, the stars, the, the, the mountains, the oceans, the animals, the fish, the same God who created all of that, I am made in His image. How so? Those are the questions that I would like to explore on today. So, who is this us that God refers to when he decides to make man? In the book of Genesis, we see that during the first five days of creation, God was speaking everything into existence. On the first day, he said, let there be light. And then there was light and he separated the light from, from the darkness. And he said, let there be land. And then there was the land and the oceans. And let there be fish. And then there were the fish. And let there be animals. And that the animals were there. He was just speaking everything into existence. But when it came to the sixth day, he, his tone changed, so to say. And then instead of speaking things into existence, he turned to himself first. And he said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness. So now, the question I ask myself is that, who is this us? But eventually, as you read the Bible, you get to discover that God is a trinity. God is a holy trinity. His mind God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the same image, we have been made. But for the longest of time, I've been puzzled by this, trying to figure out how could it be that I, a mere feeble human being, am made in the image of God the Great, God the Creator, the Alpha and Omega, the Author and the Finisher. And then I read the book in Ecclesiastes 3.11, and he says, he has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the heart of man. But no man can see the full picture of God from beginning to end. 
So God has planted eternity in your heart, meaning that you are very much like him in every sense of the word because God is eternal. There is eternal power within you. But the only difference between you and God the Creator, God the Father, is that you are not able to see the full picture of God from beginning to end as it has been put out in the book of Ecclesiastes 3.11. So that is how we are like God. It means that while God gets to see the whole picture, the only picture you get to see is the picture of your life, is the picture of what you, you, you can envision, a picture of what God lets, allows you to see, to dream and to envision and to experience. That's all you get to see, but that's not the full picture of God. I personally believe that God is nothing but an artist, but an artist whom after five days of creation, on the sixth day he realized that there was no one to admire his works of reality, uh, of art. He realized that there was no one to admire his works of art like he can. So he decided to create man in his own image so that he can marvel at his own works at his own works of art for eternity. And God being the artist that he is, and having created us for his glory, having created us for his own pleasure, and God having granted us the opportunity to be alive, and having loved us so much that he even gave up his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, just for me, it tells me that what he has placed within me what he has invested in me is way more important to him than it will ever be to me. Meaning that my own life is not even as important to me than it is to God. Hence, he would sacrifice his one and only begotten son. But still, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And how is it that we are like God we are like God in the sense that we are also a trinity. Maybe not a holy trinity, but we also are a trinity in the same way that God is. While God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are mind, body, and spirit. And each one of these aspects of our lives do emulate who God is. We need to come to an acknowledgement and a realization that we are all made in God's image and that every single person you meet, whether you like them or not, no matter how you feel about them, is also made in the image of God. And as a result, we ought to treat them with the best love of God within us. We ought to treat them with the best reverence and embrace and, and love as possible because each person is made in the image of God. And if God is a trinity, so it, and man is also a trinity, then how is it that we are like God? How is it that God designed us in our image? One of the most important things we must realize, at least as far as I can imagine or envision, or as far as God can allow me to see, is the fact that when God had that epiphany, when he made that decision that let us make man, in our own image. He had to first think about it. He had to first consult with himself 
so he could speak everything into existence. But when it came to us, he had to first consult with himself. That's how important the decision of creating you was. That's how important you are. So it also gets to explain to you why the Bible says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. It is because God had to think twice about it. And while he spoke everything else into existence, he created us with his own hands. He took from the ground and formed us into man, and then he blew his breath into us. None of this were done with all the other creations. None of this was done with all the other animals that were created during the first five days. It's as if he was keeping the best for last. As if he's like, you know what, this is good. It's too good not to be marveled at forever. So he created himself in his own image and then just limited the keys to which we can all see ourselves. Mind, body, and spirit. That's how we are. So if we are to agree that we are all mind, body, and spirit, then it means that we can all agree that we are a trinity. But that, what does that even mean, that we are mind, body, and spirit? And how does, what, how does this even relate to how we are like God? I believe that God designed us in, in such a way that we were meant for His intimacy. And this is the reason why we were created by His own hands, why we would always have that need for intimacy. You look at an, a little child, newly born, they crave for an embrace, they crave for a touch, they, cra they crave for a word of love, because we are made in the image of God. So God created us in his own likeness, in his own image, in his trinity, so that we'll always have a need for him. Mind, body, and spirit. So what makes up the body? What makes up the soul? And what makes up the spirit? And if one is mind, body, and spirit, does it then mean that one truly only knows another when they know all three and if indeed we are all mind body and spirit then how is it why which of these three brings us closer to God and how do do these three parts work together to help bring us closer to God you need to start to realize that when God thought of us, of thought of creating us, of bringing us into existence, he had to move from a spiritual realm into the physical realm so that we may be able to enjoy his works of art, so that we may be able to marvel at, at the stars, the moon, feel the sunshine on our skin, so that we can smell, so that we can taste beautiful, great food. And that's what our body is for. And that's how we get to praise God. That's how we get to marvel at the works of God, by using our five senses. And this is as far as our body is concerned. And before I get even further, it's important to realize that being mind, body, and spirit, it means that there are three levels, as there are three levels in God. 
the mind, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Of these three, the most important is the Father. And all of them are equally the same. And you think of God rose three days later and how the number three is always so powerful throughout the Bible. This is why we are also a trinity because a bond of three is the strongest. Now, the body. The body is made of your senses, your ability to see, your ability to smell, your ability to hear, your ability to, to feel. And then there's your soul. The body is the least important of the three. And then comes the soul or the mind. Oh, this is where your personality is. Your body is only there to help you function, to help you, uh, to help you make sense of the glory of God, to help you make sense, to help you praise God with your mouth, to, to help you uh, perceive God and be able to hear God when He speaks to you. To, uh, that's what your brain is for, and your cells are there to make sure that your oxygen is running through your blood, and this is what gives you life. It's there to sustain you. But that's the least important because that's just a carrier. It's just, uh, it's just what's there to carry your real self, being your soul and your spirit. Now, what is soul? What is your soul comprised of? Your soul is uh, basically your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. Majority of who you are is subconscious in the same way that majority of who you are is spiritual so it means that we use the body to to in order to to get to to feed our soul we use our senses to feed our soul of all the beautiful sensations that we may get from the world we process this consciously and then we feed it to, to our subconscious and then after feeding our subconscious it then affects our attitudes it affects our beliefs our feelings our emotions our memories this is what happens in the subconscious mind. And it is what happens in the subconscious mind which is most important. Because this is where your beliefs are. This is where your attitudes are. This is where your feelings are. This is where your memories, your, your will, your, your choices. Your, and this is, so your soul basically is what makes you you. This is how you think. This is your conscious mind, your thinking, your reasoning, how you look at the world. And this is what makes all the difference. So it's your body. And your soul is what's in, what you're in control of. Your soul is what... It's, it's like a door between you and the spirit realm. It's like a door between you and where the heart of God sits in your spirit. If it were a room, if you being a human being were a room, you'd be a three-roomed house. I mean, if you were a house, you'd be a three-roomed house. In the first room, you enter through the body, and from the body, via your senses or your mind, your, your ability to see, sense, and read, and your ability to, 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 to smell, your ability to hear, your ability to listen, and your ability to comprehend with your brain. That will be the first room, and then in the second room would be your soul. This is where you start to reason, where you take any information from your senses and you start to reason on it. Once you've thought about it and reasoned on it, it, it makes up your beliefs, your attitudes, your feelings, your emotions, your memories. And this is where God says that Christ has come to save our soul. Because when man fell into sin, 
when we fell into sin, it closed the door between our second room and the third room, being our soul to the spirit. So until we sort out our beliefs, until we get our beliefs right, until we get our thoughts right, until we get our attitudes right, our feelings right, our, until we're in control of our emotions and our memories, then we will always have a disconnect from God. Then we will always have a disconnect from God. And this is why it's so important that we give our soul to Christ. For Christ is God's only begotten Son. He was sent to save our souls so that we may know how to handle our feelings, so that we may know how to, to, to have the right set of beliefs, so that we may know how to handle our emotions better, so that we, we can create better memories for ourselves. And in the soul, there are three most important parts, being the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and then there's your will. This is where you make choices. It is your ability to make choices which makes you human. This is why God cannot force you into doing what you will not do. This is what makes you human. This is what makes you special. Unlike all the other living animals that we know of in the world, human beings are the only ones who do not succumb to, who do not succumb to their environment. When it gets too far, we create cars. When, when the, the, the postman is taking too long, we create the internet and then the, the emails. When it's getting too dark and we're tired of, uh, of, of stick and fire, we create the light bulb. When the ship is taking too long, we create aeroplanes. That's how powerful we are. And I truly believe that our mind, our soul, our ability to make choices and to envision the future and plan towards it until we get to it. That's our secret in being able to be like God, our ability to not succumb to our environment, our ability to shape our environment, our ability to rule the seas, to rule all the other animals, our ability to fly to the moon and to fly across oceans. That's what makes us as close to human as possible. Because remember, God said, let us make man in our own image, meaning that our intellect, our intelligence, our ability to, in to envision the future, the eternity within us is what separates us from the animals. And it's in knowing this, it's in acknowledging this, that we are made in the image of God, that our very soul is what God is after, or that when he says it's after our soul, is after our thinking, our reasoning, our beliefs, our attitudes, our feelings. But then, Sometimes you can have your beliefs, your attitudes, and your feelings right, and your emotions intact. But until your will, until you have the right will, until you have the right will to, to do what God has called you to, to do what God has taught you, to do what God has planted within your spirit, to go after that dream that God has planted within you, all of it becomes meaningless. Because it's only through that will, it's only through that gift of choice that we are able to open the door to our spirit realm. It's only through that gift of will, that gift of choice, that we are able to open our hearts out to God, that, it's, that we are able to open up our hearts to who Christ is, and that we are able to let God take control. It's through that will, that, that choice. Choice is like a door 
that we are able to then open the door either to the soul or to the body. It's through our will that we are able to heighten our senses and we are able to enjoy the music more, we are able to feel the sunshine more, that we are able to comprehend more. Or, most importantly, we are open. We are able to open the door of our soul to let the Holy Spirit in, to let Christ in. So it's the mind, it's the body, it's the mind and the spirit. The spirit is right at the heart of it. It's right at the center of our being. It's the most important part of our being. It's where we are infinite. It's the spirit man where we are, where we have infinite power, where we have eternity in our heart. It's in that spirit man that we find our meaning in life. It's in that spirit man that we find our purpose, that we find love. For love is a spiritual experience because God is love. So when our soul is not right, we always confuse a lot of things for what love is. And we confuse biology, we confuse emotions, hormones, and so many other things for love, when in fact love is spiritual. So unless we get our soul right, we will never be right in love, we'll never be right in the decisions we make, we'll never truly find our purpose, we'll never truly find meaning in our lives. Because our meaning, our purpose, and our desire for love, our desire for affection and intimacy is hidden in our soul. It's hidden in our ability to hear God. This is why Jesus Christ once said that, What good is it for a man to gain the world and lose your soul? What good is it for a man to gain the world and lose his soul? When he says to lose his souls, he means what is what good is it for you to uh, to gain all of the world, to gain the money, to gain the fame, to to gain everything of this world, and then lose your faith, and lose your beliefs, and lose your attitude, and lose your uh, control of your emotions, and lose control of your principles, and that you you you, you trash your own memories, which have made you the person that you are. This is why God has come to save our souls. Because it's our souls which store experiences and memories. It's our souls which keep us intact. And our spirit man then sends and connects us to God. So unless our souls are in the right place, we can never really hear God when he speaks to us. It's a three-way relationship. God gave us the body so that we can have all the senses. To, to enjoy his works of art. He gave us the soul so that we'd be able to comprehend the beauty of his works. And he gave us the spirit so that when anything goes wrong in our soul, we are always able to tap into his power, to tap into his purpose for our life, to find meaning in our experiences, in our pain, in our trials, and to always realize that everything is love. Let me tell you one thing. Until you discover God, you have never known love. Until you truly know who God is, then you've never known love. You see, the mind and body co communicate constantly. What the mind thinks, it perceives. And experiences are then sent from our brain and to the rest of our body. So it all starts with what's in our spirit, what we believe, what we find meaning in 
what we ex- what we define as love, what we find, what we what we think is our life's purpose. Because once we have got that in place, then God gets straight to work. You see, the human soul is always hungry. It's always hungry for beauty. We seek it everywhere. We seek it in landscapes, in music, in art, in clothes, in furniture, in gardening, in companionship with people. We, we seek for beauty in love, in religion, and within ourselves. No one would desire not to be beautiful. And when we experience the beautiful things in life, there's a, there's a sense of homecoming. And I believe this is why the Bible says that all good things come from the Lord. All good things come from the Lord. And so the more, the longer that we meditate on the good things that, that, that serve us, the longer that we meditate on the good things that God wants for us, is the more that we live. It's the more that we feed our soul, it's the more that we get our soul intact. The more that we read the Bible, the more that we spend time in the presence of God, is the more that we are able to connect more with God. It's more that we are able to live fulfilled lives. It's more that we are able to get rid of sadness and hurt and pain and resentment and shame and disappointments. It's more that it's the more that we are able to uh, to rise above all those minor obstacles which consume our lives for so long until we realize that all we've needed all along was just the grace of God, the love of God. You see, our beliefs and our attitudes in, lives are, in life are, are determined by, by our faith. It's our faith which, pray, which plays a major role in our thinking, in our thinking patterns, in our day-to-day thinking. It's our faith which leads our thinking, which then leads down to our emotions and our feelings. And these feelings, these emotions, are exactly what defines our behavior. Your, your mind, your emotions and body, they are nothing but instruments. Your, your, mind, your, your, your mind and your body are nothing but instruments. And, and the way that you align and fine-tune those instruments determines how well you live your life. It determines how fulfilled and how happy you are in your life. So, remember also the words in Matthew 28 verse 19 where it says, Go ye forth and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's very important that we never realize that we are made, that we never forget that we are made in the image of God, that we are a trinity like Him. And the only difference between us and him is that we are in human form. But the infinite lies within us. In, in our spirit lies faith, lies hope, lies reverence, prayer and worship. And that's how we connect God. That's how we connect to God. And in our souls we are then able to imagine. We are able to, to, to have a conscience. We are able to have memories and reason. And we are able to feel affection. And through our body, we are able to see, to smell, to taste, to hear and touch. The problem came, came when man fa- fell into sin. Because when he fell into sin, doors to his spiritual enlightenment closed. And he began to wander into darkness and confusion. And so many of us are still living in that darkness and confusion. Because we have never really awakened to, 
the revelation of Christ. When Christ came in, when, when Christ comes in, everything changes in our lives. And yet only th there's only one thing that stands in the way between us and God working His miracles in our lives. It's our will, our choice, because God can never force us to love us. He created us to have intimacy with Him, to have an, a relationship with Him. And this is why this is why Adam could walk in the garden and talk with God like a friend. Only when, only when the will is surrendered to the Holy Spirit, only when the will is surrendered, can the Holy Spirit then take its place in our hearts. And when that transaction occurs, miracles begin to happen every day in our lives. Every single moment becomes a miracle. Your senses become heightened. Your faith is in place. You are, you are full of joy and happiness and peace and serenity. Everything about our design suggests that, that we, are, we were designed for intimacy with God and for God's glory. Everything about us, the way we are able to hear music, the way we are able to hear the birds outside, to be able to see all striking sights, to be able to laugh and love, to be able to live, to smell, to taste good food, to be able to dance to nature's tune, to, to, to be able to feel the sunshine on our skin. These are the things that awaken us to, to the glory of God. These are the things that awaken us to, to the marvel, to the majesty of God. And by being able to, by awakening to all of this creation of God, we are able to come even closer to Him. And by so doing, we grow even more intimate with Him. This is how we grow intimate with God. If any man is to live, then he must truly be alive in mind, body, and spirit. And at all times, in his spirit, he must have all of God. Because God is spirit. Because God is spirit and he lives within us. There's eternity within you. But then there are doors which are preventing you from reaching out to the future within you. There are doors which are preventing you from reaching out to the infinite, to the eternal within you. The spirit of man is where the sphere of activity of the Holy Spirit lives. That's where God operates. And the devil knows that more than anybody. The devil knows that we are emotional creatures. And he knows very well that it's not our it's it's our emotions which hinder us the most. He knows very well that it's our it's it's our the state of our soul. It's the state of our of our souls, our our faith, our conscience, our our memories, our our thoughts, our reasoning. And only if we can get that right, then we'll be right with God. But the devil knows this so well, so he distracts us in our thinking, in our emotions. He makes us feel pain and resentment in our in our memories when we should actually just be learning from them. You see, our soul is the seat of affections. It's the soul of right and wrong, of hate and lust and, and bodily appetites. And when our desires are turned on, it, they can distract us from, from the door to our spirit man. When our desires are turned to God, only then we are able to, to realize our sinful condition. And we realize how we've been hindering ourselves from letting the light of God shine within us. 
when the Spirit of God illuminates the spirit of a man with divine light, creativity becomes a, a byproduct. Uh, a, excitement and joy and happiness and peace become a byproduct when the soul of man is in the right place, is in right standing with God. Only then do we realize what a beautiful miracle life is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. For you restore my soul, O God. You restore my soul, O God. Life, a beautiful miracle. By Tepo H. Maloa. Frozen thoughts.